This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport, Mark McMahon, Blues writer, Will Rooney, and aspiring journalist and Pompey fan, Freddie Webb, to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, as the season reaches fever pitch, we break down the crucial elements and permutations in the playoff picture. We assess Danny Cowley's belief that what he's facing at Pompey is the biggest challenge he's ever tackled in football. And some big player talk. Is it time to cash in on Ronan Curtis? Is Jack Watmore now bound for the championship? And what for the rest of Pompey's squad? We break down what we believe could be happening this summer at Fratton Park. We're available from wherever you download your podcast. So give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition downloaded to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. Mark McMahon. Joining me today to discuss all things Pompey is Jordan Cross, Will Rooney, and a special guest, our work experience chap, but an expert on podcasts. He's going to give us a critique at the end, especially if I can't get my words out. Those critiques will be even worse, but Freddie Webb. Hello, Freddie. Good. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember Scatman Bob? Does anyone remember him? I'm a Scatman. Yes. Freddie's our Statman, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> we try to be. <laughs> yes. Look it up, Freddie. It's way before your time. Scatman. Yeah, pro- probably a few years. <laughs> well, Rooney's normally our Statman with his way, Skype accounts and ability, but now Freddie's limited. Kind of- yeah, limited. Um, I'm like the. Uh, the uh, non-league stats man who you get in from from uni or something and then got a Michael Edwards in now, haven't we? <laughs> in, true, in true news fashion, though, the access to our to our voice scout account is limited. We've got the basic entry level, haven't we? <laughs> no, no, you know, none of the premium stuff. No, no. But have you enjoyed your week with us anyway, Friday? Yeah, of co- yeah, of course I have. Of course I have. It's always been an ambition of mine to write about Pompey, so to be given the chance to do that with you guys has been very amazing. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Glad what, about, what about the press conference yesterday? And what was the insight to the, uh, you were on the Danny Cowley call, weren't you, Freddie? So uh, mm. some fun and games on there. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there were several. Um, Danny, Danny Cowley's a great speaker. It goes on, it goes on a tiny bit, especially when Concord Rangers are mentioned, but no, it was an enjoyable experience. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Well, let's crack on. Um, Gordy, you were the only one, I was going to say unfortunate to be up at Accrington on Tuesday night, but it was certainly the game of the season, if not the result. But yeah, do you want to talk us through that? Oh, God. Um, Danny Cowley yesterday spoke about seeing us on the call and it kind of sent him into a kind of uh, existential crisis. Um, he had a flashback. I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't think, 
I don't think Danny Kelly's won for parting too much. He said he's a team totaler, but I think he's been on kind of like he was on the LSD and uh, up at and He's having a weird flashback when he when he when he saw us. Um, he was yeah. He when we spoke after. Look at the video on Portsmouth.co.uk um, and listen to his interviews, uh, and um, you'll see um, he's been knocked out of his stride by by, by events uh, at Accrington afterwards. Kind of. A bit sweaty, um, just furious, and just really flawed by by the sequence of events and how how it uh, it had played out at Accrington. Um, and from the press's point of view, we were we were obviously down two 0 lifted by coming back into the game, lifted more, buoyed by the, uh, the, the the stoppage time goal from John Marcus, then then flattened by, by obviously the own goal in the same sort of chronology as Danny. But then obviously the news came through of Crew, which then kind of lifted us up a bit again because you know when all like it felt like hope was gone, there was that you know that olive branch to hold on to. So, um, but Cowley wasn't like that. And we asked him yesterday, did you know about the late goal and it going in? And he said he did, but he was just so fixated with with Pompey and what he could control and his disappointment with that that he, he, he came across how he did after the game. So um, I think as I just said on the, on, the, on our sports desk corner, and I'll, I'll go into it a bit more, but I think there's a bit of a, a sea change from Danny. He, he was more critical of the players. He's been, you know, he's got to keep the players on side at, at this time of the season, but there were some signs of, of, of frustration uh, for the first time, really. Slightly at MK Dodds, but more so um, on, on Tuesday. Back onto the, the press call yesterday. Back to his old self again, bullish and, and, and buoyant again. But obviously, Pompey scored three goals for the first time, I think, in 21 games at Accrington. But it was the defending that really, well, really pissed off Danny Cowley. You know, that was the thing that he, he, he's been focusing on since. And that was the, 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 the yeah, the focus for his eye, really. I don't want to make this the Jordan Cross podcast, but Jordi, um, you, the, first, the word frustrations... Was it purely the defence? Was there individuals, individual errors there that really resonated with him that he wanted to... Now, that is a loaded question if ever I've heard one. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, just really you say... Just put, Mark, you just put the bullets in the gun, just hand it to me and let me do the execution. Is that what you're saying? You know full well what you just said there. <laughs> right, OK. He was frustrated with Craig McGilfrey, yes. They're, they're, they're... Oh, right. Well, no, I wasn't looking... Oh, right. Okay. All right. There was some frustration at Craig McGilfrey. He thought he was at fault for the goals. If you look back, some of the criticism might be a little hard. Uh, but then, yeah, there were some questions asked about McGilfrey's performance in a positive sense from the press lads, John T from Natural Live and Neil. And um, there were some long pauses from Danny before he gave his answers, um, very considered um, about Craig. Um, so, yeah, I can see why. I mean, obviously, the defensive point from the uh, from the, the first goal was a good goal. I uh, probably could have closed down the cross quicker. Dealt with it at source. Hart, that was gonna. That was always a question mark with Harness playing in that position, um, and a lot of their threat came down that 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 side. That given that it was Alan Shearer stuff from Bishop on a hell of a header. Can't point the finger at McGilfrey for that. Maybe slightly more for the second, but I would look at the defensive aspect of that. Can't quite remember. Maybe it was it was Harness and maybe Nicholas and we got between and then and then pokes it across. Um, and then the third goal. I think we, if you're being critical of it and, and breaking it down, we could we, we could have seen Craig push it away from goal rather back towards John when when it gone back it's gone back into goal. But there was other aspects. There was 
mix-ups with Raggett and and maybe a stop he should have made and then he redeemed himself with a superb stop to get himself out of trouble. But yeah, there, I think there's a few question marks over, over Craig. Uh, he was obviously out of contract and that may surprise a, a lot of Pompey supporters who were who were voting for him in their droves in terms of the Pompey player of the season. Well, um, the past few, few games, then I've talked about defensive errors contributing to the results. But the past two games, out of necessity, they've had this all right play around with the defence, going for three at the back, three, four, three formations. How's that worked? And um, is the experiment over with Lee Brown now back fit? Do you expect them to just revert back to 4 4 2 and back to how the players are used to playing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was the system that beat them. It was individual errors at, at Ackington. Um, let's be honest, it could have been five or six and there'd been no complaints. Ackington had that dodgy 10 minute spell that got Pompey back into the game. Um, they had to work three times. It was individual errors. The first goal, Harness gives the weight, gives away the ball in a dangerous area and then doesn't get back. Um, second goal, Sean Rag goes out and makes a clumsy foul. And then it's Paul Mark. And then the third goal, even Andy Cannon flies Cannon. into a tap. Needless. Yeah. And then they can't defend it. It wasn't okay. System, it's not fluent. It's difficult to play wing backs. You need time on a training pitch to get wing backs right. We've seen that at Doncaster as well. We've seen that when. Pompey played MK Dons early in the season. It's individual errors as well, which have killed Pompey at Accrington. Um, but I take your point on board, definitely. If if those individual errors and the happens, Accrington have still hit the double work three times and have big chances, which they probably should have taken. And as you say, Lee Brown coming back is, is massive. Um, you expect him to start, although... Danny Carley's been saying he's been fit for a while, so you never know when he's if he is he's got an arm, really got an arm hanging off somewhere. But yeah. keeps, Danny Carley just keeps going; he's going to be fit for the weekend. I know, so you never know. That. Again. That'll be a big boost for the Pom people. Obviously, Jack Watmore as well is is still out for another game, and Pompey missing him badly because Nicol Eisen didn't cope again with a, a front two of Bishop and Charles, which we've seen before early in the season when he got. Hooked off a half time against Plymouth um, when he was given the run around. And Sean Raggett, although he's been fairly consistent this season, we know he can he can have a couple of poor performances. Um and Callum Johnson for me is not a, a wing back. Um he likes to get forward enough, but he's not a he's not an out and out wing back. He's not a marauding pacey um real up and down defender. He's a, a good solid right back who, who likes to get forwards and put a, a cross into the box. So at Lee Brown back will, will be massive, I think. Freddie, as a from from a fan's perspective, what was your initial reaction? Because yes, Hacken scored that late goal, which was demoralizing, but the fact that Crew came back and snatched the draw against Charlton and Pompey actually moved up and back into the playoff spots. And as a result of the draw, like, must be a degree of satisfaction, though, despite the draw. Yeah, a, a, a real change of emotions, wasn't it? Um, the Charlton dropping points definitely helped. They have the edge from the game in hand, but if you, but it, it depends how you look at the next set of results against Lincoln City and against Hull City. Just looking at the table and looking at those squads, those are very hard games. But then they, again, with Hull champions now and Lincoln all but secured their playoff spot. It's very unlikely they'll get second, so those games could be dead robbers. 
but yeah, it, 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 a point was still good for Pompey considering that first half. I, 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 it was quite a torrid first half. But the mentality they showed to get back into the game was very pleasing, especially from a fan's perspective. Yes, the late goal was dejecting and very disheartening, but it still it, it still keeps Pompey in the mix, which is exactly where they should be. Jordan, two big games. Jordan, Jordan knows I'm being serious when I say Jordan. Jordan, two very big games coming up. Two must-win games. At the end of the day, Danny Carley in midweek said that they need six to seven points if they want to book that place in the playoffs. What's your What's your thoughts on that there? I don't know, I'm just going to guess at your question. The missus just came in, the baby started crying. And I've just run off and I've been totally distracted. Um, I've got something about two games. Uh, must-win games, was that? Is that what you were saying? Two must-win games. What's your, what's your overriding thoughts going into the, this crucial stage of the season? Yeah, yeah. Um, my, our old friend, Steve Wilson, had a big bugbear with must-win. Our, our colleague that worked at the news for many a year. He was adamant you only used the term must-win when it literally was a must-win Uh so to the letter, this is this is it even quite a muscle win this weekend because there still could be yeah a way forward. But of course, this is now six points. Well, only six points will do um, for Pompey. Um, interesting to see the bookies, isn't it? I don't know if you, if you picked up on that. Um, that Pompey, yeah, Pompey are favourites of the bookies, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you if you take it am- amongst Oxford, Pompey and Charlton, uh, they, the bookies have got. Pompey's is slight favourites, five to four, I think it is. William Hill that's running the market on it. Um, with Charlton obviously being the team where it's in their hands, if they win the games, they 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 deliver. Um, I would have had them as slight edging it slightly, but obviously the bookies mm. see them dropping points. Which you know, given the games that they've got, given that we saw Accrington, I know it's it's not a live it's a live game for them this weekend, but I don't I expect them to give them a, a decent test. So yeah. Um, I think if Pompey do win the get the six points, I think they get over the line ultimately. I think that's um that's what's gonna happen. You look at Oxford, if Pompey, you know, you give them the six points, even though who they got, they've got Shrewsbury this weekend, I think Burton in the in the final game. Uh, yeah, you could see them getting four to six points there. But it's basically all eyes on, on Charlton, isn't it, for, for Portsmouth now. Um yeah. where 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 they go with with a busy last week with Lincoln and Hull. And I would just hope that they, the final game goes to a place where Hull need to win to win the title to make that that game live uh, and interesting for them. But obviously, then you've got Lincoln in there as well. We still need another point. Um, yeah. So, basically, if Charlton get nine points fair play to them, they deserve the playoff place. Definitely. I would be hopeful that Pompey can get six. Um, but that's not... Let's not disregard the challenge that AFC Wimbledon bring. They still need to get, I know they're probably safe, but they need to get that extra point just to be safe. Uh, but their form, their form's um, unbeaten. I think it's four wins and two draws in their last six. Second in the form table, as Danny Cowley was keen to point out mm-hmm. yesterday. No, don't disregard this test that's coming now. And funny things happen at this time of the season. We've seen with Doncaster in recent years, Sunderland still need another point. Well, they need they need another couple of points, really. They need another yeah. one. probably two points. Really, would be enough with the goal difference. <clears> but they they, <laughs> they go to Plymouth, and then they got I know they've got Northampton on the final day. But we we've seen funny things happen this time of season. Presley does strange things to people, so don't dis, discount some uh, some twists and turns yet. 
Well, Pompey, obviously, yeah, the, the goal is six points, two wins from these two games. But prior to Cowley coming in with those four wins on a trot initially under his realm, Pompey only won back-to-back games in League One three times this season. So they're not they're not accustomed to winning back-to-back games at this moment in time, are they? No, and that's been a big thing, hasn't it? I mean, in years previously under Jack, we've seen Pompey go on long winning streaks. Um, that didn't happen this season. They've been far too inconsistent. And I think that's why people can't even make up the minds on who's going to be player of the season because it's so open just because the the inconsistency. Um, as you say, we have that new man. We have that new manager bounce coming. Ipswich, Pompey, but maybe maybe that was a a bit false perhaps when Carly came in. Ipswich have not done well at all since Paul Cook came in. Shrewsbury, okay, Pompey played well in the first half of Shrewsbury. Then you look at Rochdale, where they were hanging on, and, and even Wigan wasn't the best performance. So, I only won four games in the bounce for maybe the, those four wins have, have been exaggerated a little bit. Um, you can't get away. The Wigan game, like Wigan were on a good run of form, or have been. Yeah, they were, of course they were. But was as, one, as you say, now they go to the play side in Wimbledon, who would Scoring goals as well now, let's not forget. They scored they scored three the other night. Um two against Oxford, four against Swindon, three against Ipswich, five against Stafton. Yeah. If Pompey can't defend him, Danny Carley's having having worries about Pompey's individual headers, then it's not a good fixture to play, is it, against the sides who are not only fighting for the lives, but scoring goals. Um but as you say, if they get a few key men back. Lee Brown coming back into the side can help go back into the, the favourite 4 2 3 1 formation. Andy Cannon, that he didn't have his best game the other night, but the fact he played 45 minutes, maybe his back's getting better and he's getting back to his best. Um, and then you've got another option now going forwards, haven't you? If you, got, if you, if you don't have to play Williams or Harness as wing backs. Um, so that's a, a big plus, but two, two huge wins, two huge games for, for Pompey and six points is required. What, what do you know about Joe Peggett? Well, specifically, he's their top goal scorer, 21 goals this season. Danny Cowley's been this week speaking to us about, yeah, the defence, they need to eradicate errors. It's easier to win 1-0 than it is 4-3, etc. Is, is Joe Peggett the real deal? The Pompey really need to be keeping an eye on him tomorrow? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, he's going to be a striking demand, you'd think, this summer, out of contract. Um, 21 goals and 50 appearances. We've just got up now. Besides, who are down the bottom. That is a remarkable effort, isn't it? Um, to have scored all those goals. And he's been quite consistent with it, either. He hasn't had streaks, really. He's been quite consistent with goal scoring. Bit of a target man, six foot two. Apparently, Charlton wanted him back. Um, he was come through the ranks of Charlton and he was released as a youngster, worked his way back up. Apparently Charlton wants him in January, but but Wimbledon didn't didn't get rid of him. Um so that's a big one. They've got a mark another player they've got is Oli Palmer who the Carlies know he helped them deliver League Two promotion in 2017-18. I think there's our lads Ryan Longman on, on loan from Brighton as well who's apparently caught the eye for, for Wimbledon this season. So look they've got options. Um and Pompey, it's not going to be straightforward. We know that. It's not going to be a, a walkover. Um as we've seen as we've seen in some games of late. Even Accrington, you think, well they haven't got a lot to play for. Look how look how they went down fighting and Wimbledon have got a lot more to play for than Accrington this season. So 
expecting another real stain examination for Pompey. On the Joe Piggott thing, he scores all sorts of goals. Uh, it's not it, it, it's not just the amount that Pompey needs to worry really about. It's he, he he gets his headers in from watching his goal back this morning. One of, one of the things that I noticed is he's very good at bringing the ball out from his feet when it's stuck under him. So even if a centre-half's right on top of him, he could still shift it onto his favourite right foot and put in excellent finishes. Another player who Danny Cowley mentioned in the presser, Jack Radoni, who's a winger. Very... A, a, a very technical winger at League One, League One level, not uh, not afraid to go for the dribble, not afraid to go for the Hollywood pass either. So it, it, if that comes off, if they're aiming for Joe Piggott the entire time with their attacking play, then Portsmouth have got a lot, lot to worry about. You've discovered a few other bits and pieces about Wimbledon's play, Freddie. They're a team that love to break on their counter-attack, so Pompey need to be worried of that. Yeah, precisely. From the stuff that I looked at this morning, the, the Wimbledon have got the highest number of interceptions in the league, according to Scout. It's all league stats. And they're also very good at defensive duels, so they're very good at winning the ball back when out of possession. I think they're off the top, off the top of my head, second highest in the league for that as well. So there is, so in terms of defensively, think, think about how Burton um, defended against Pompey under Jimmy Ford Hasselbank when they, when they went to Fratton Park. We, they sat back deep were able to soak up the bit, soak up the possession, soak up the chances, win the ball back effectively, and counter attack with pace. And I think Wimbledon—that's how they're going to look to exploit Pompey on Saturday. Okay, Jordy, back to you. You mentioned yesterday how Cowley sees this challenge that he's currently undertaking as the big of us as the biggest of his career. Sorry, I need to get my words out. Um, what sense? Do you get that Curly is in? Is he confident? Is he dreading these games? Is he excited? Is he is the light being drained out of him? Nah, I'll thank you. He's like a, you know, just a dynamo of energy. Um, so yeah, for him to, I think that was a surprise about his demeanour on Tuesday, in in you know at the cold face of 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 the game and him being flat. But he, he kind of said that he he went home. He doesn't sleep. Um, he kind of. Went back. This is quite interesting. His process after a game. He, he, after a game, he goes back. He watches the game when he gets in. I don't know if this was the case at Accrington because obviously long long trip. We probably did this that. Then he gets up first thing after a couple of hours. Kip clips the, the, the videos for what he's noticed when he watched the game back for his learning process with the players. And then 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 that's all ready. Then they have a get together with the analysts and and do a learning session. Uh, and then they, yeah, so that's the process which has gone on since since Tuesday. And then obviously, I think there, should we say there was quite a lot to learn from Tuesday. Um, yeah, then it then it's putting it back into the players. So they've kind of had had these sessions with, with you know, real structured sort of process since then, focused on on the on the defence. Um, but he was back to it, back to his bullish self. Um, but I think that almost slipped out the um, the toughest challenge. Um, it's just when we were speaking about it and we just got onto the, the various issues. Um, it didn't almost sort of say it and, and other managers would have used it as an excuse in the past, as a, in a negative sense. It wasn't like that. I think he was just talking honestly about the, the players. There's a number of players in what he terms the red zone in terms of workload. Um, it's clear to say when, when all these players are playing. Um, so managing what he would have ordinarily done is a bit like what he did with Ryan Williams. I think he'd like to keep Ryan on the bench on, on Tuesday but needs must. Um, 
So he's having to kind of be creative in the way that he, he gets um, players rest. And obviously Tom Naylor's another one that's firmly in the red zone. It looks like he's that could be, you're just waiting for that hamstring to go, aren't you, really? We're, we're really, you know, I know he's robust, but there's there's obviously concerns about that. So it's then trying to be creative in his approach and trying to get the best out of the players while managing workloads. Um, they switched to the formation to 3-4-3 three, three or 3-4-1-2 three, uh, a bit more on, on Tuesday. Uh, so, yeah, and manage that with the injuries and, and what he sees as an unbalanced squad. Obviously, defensively, he's got options not, not going forward. It kind of It's all come together in a perfect storm of difficulty, but it's, you know, Danny Kelly's a guy that relishes that. Um, he's not a negative person by nature. I think it's just, the, you know, the reality that in 14 seasons of management, all the way from squad management at non-league level with the likes of Concord that he finds himself in what he believes is the most difficult challenge that he's, he's ever faced right now. Yeah. Well, you, you have to give him credit. He's utilising the squad as best he can. He recognises the injuries are piling up, but he's finding ways and means of playing players. Like James Bolton, for instance, all of a sudden, since he's been in, is, is getting games. Paul Downing made an appearance the other night. Again, his man management is fantastic and, and surely that there is a route to success, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's one of Kenny Jackett's faults. I think we've all agreed with he wasn't the best man manager, was he? Um, he was, took a, a standoffish approach. Didn't really have any real rapport with his players. He didn't dislike anyone or, or take a real grievance of anyone. But then again, not many players got to, to know Kenny. Um, Danny Carley's complete opposite. Um, he likes to get to know his players. You know, as you say, Paul Down and you know, he's come in, he's given him a second chance. Um, likes him in training, apparently. Um, said that he says it a couple of times now that he just thinks he's been overcomplicated with his instructions. It is bit when you're on your last legs, I think you need that. You need someone keeping your spirits up. You don't need going into training thinking, I'm just wrecked, and then having someone who's well, it's not no fault Kenny Jack has brought success, but having someone lift you and say, come on, you can do this, you, you, you find that extra 10%. I think that's why um, they're able to do that. Obviously, I think the effects of perhaps the increased intensity in trainings maybe had some sort of impact because the Carly's been trying to push their philosophy on the players and look, We've been away with Kenny Jackson pre-season. It wasn't they weren't arduous sessions really that he put his players through. They would work hard and they do sessions, but it's not like a pre-season. I mean, I used to, you know I used to think I used to have tougher pre-seasons when I was playing under thirteens football than this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like you know, going down the park, running rounds, like running around the park, laps on laps, and then getting to burpees and all sorts. Like uh, uh, jacket, it was like literally balls out, um, straight away. Do a few, do a few um, runs up and down, and then have little games. It was all left for the games. He wanted everything to be left for the games. And Carly's, they think a lot of training, even what they've said about pre-season. They need somewhere where they can work the players the hardest. So maybe that's had an impact, but they've needed to. They've needed to get their stamp on things. So I don't think you can criticise them. And the way they've, they've got to do it now is keeping everyone's everyone's spirits up. And you get the impression that the players have been lifted as well. And that's what is getting the likes of Tom Nail through, Andy Cannon, Ryan Williams, probably burnt out, isn't he? But 
judging by his performance on on Tuesday night, he was probably man of the match. So yeah. he's, uh, he's getting through it, and that's probably coming coming from the top. Fairly, you did a piece for us last week on the back of Jordan's announcement that Jordan believes, and as Jordan believes, then the news believes that Kylie will be here next season. Um, <laughs> Don't throw shade on my story, are you, Mark? Sorry? <laughs> not throwing shade on my story, are you? No, not at all. Not at all. You read too much in this uh, some things, Jordan. I meant to be one. You did a nice piece for us last week, just how the Cowleys have reignited your your excitement, being a Pompey fan. Um, irrespective of where Pompey are next season, you're still holding fire that Cowley is the man to do it and, and to get Pompey back to where they need to be. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it it wasn't. It's not just um, the the main thing that I focused on was the long term direction of the club, and I think that's so important for it, for for it, a side in any sport, a team in any sport. There there has to be a long term plan of how they can improve the players and the facilities with the resources that they have, and that's the main thing to me. I think I think after that Northampton game, I think I've paused with Kevin promoted. It's it wasn't the end of the world at the time, as long as there is that long-term direction of, okay, even if it doesn't go right this season, hopefully it does, touch wood. But if it doesn't, there has to be that long-term direction. I think under the Cowleys, they have that in terms of analysing every last detail of every training session and every match, and then using the analytics to maybe find some gems in the summer if need be, because there's been a lot of speculations of which or which players will stay and which will go, regardless of what division uh, Pompey find themselves in. So yeah, it was definitely. It's not just that though. It, it was the is his personality, the enthusiasm that that, that he brings. I think that re- has really connected with the supporters again. Okay, Jordy, I know we're speculating entirely here, like, but again, depends on what division Pompey are in. You're talking about the squad, aren't you? Sorry? You're talking about the squad? Yeah, more or less. Like, do you see major changes in the summer? Uh, quite simply, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there's going to be, as much as Pompey can, um, I think there's going to be an overhaul. Um, whatever division whatever division Pompey end up in. Um, I know... Okay, the first thing they want to do, they're probably losing £700,000 a month through COVID. Um, the Arsenal's are funding that. So let's not believe that um, they're going to kind of dip their hand in their pocket and we're going to have a, um, a, a, a massive budget. Pompey have been run on a sustainable basis. So Pompey are looking at ways now in which they can kind of free up money to give probably the Cowleys, or will be the Cowleys, a, a, a competitive budget. So... I think there will be some sacrifices made probably along the way to, to do that. Um, they've got to want to put their stamp. I think they're, they're, they're having their, they're making their mind up or have, having their mind made up along the way with players now. Um, we're 10 games in um, and I think there's probably, they're close to being a number of decisions made. Obviously they can't give that away because they, they need their players on the side at the moment. But I know, I know we kind of, we, we talked about, we talked about 11 players out of contract, but we're probably talking seven or eight, aren't we? In terms of, it'll go through them. Um, Craig McGilfrey, obviously out of contract. I, I, I think that's firmly up in the air at the moment. I think there's there's questions about how Craig fits in with um, 
with the way that the Cowleys want to play out. And I think we, I think I've certainly spoken with you guys before privately about um, if they want to play out from the back. That 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 little bit where he holds onto the ball before releasing it with his hands and not being quite comfortable with his feet that helps the press of the other team. And we're all of a sudden batting from behind. And we've seen a number of times where by the time it gets to the second or the third man, maybe the full back. Um, the opponents are right on Pompey, and and I think that they need someone with distrib- good distribution. So I, I think Craig's future is firmly up in the air at, at the moment. Jack Watmore, they like a lot. I think that Jack Watmore is probably one of their favourite players, if not their favourite player. But there's a situation where if Jack stays here, he'll want remuneration for that. He want a good deal. Um, and you hear bits and pieces of whispers about interest in Jack, um, about interest from a higher level potentially. So. Again, we'll see how that one rolls out, but firm question mark over Jack. Sean Raggett, um, I'm not here to be here. So Charlie Daniels. <laughs> right, we'll leave that one there. I think we've I think everything's said about Charlie Daniels already. <laughs> I'll be nice on that one. Tom Naylor, they like Tom. They want to keep Tom. Again, though, question mark. <laughs> Crucial deal for Tom Naylor now in terms of the, the his football career. The next deal's gonna be massive for his future, isn't it? You know, 30, 31. Um so he would want good money. Can they free up money elsewhere? Andy Cannon, I think, might, might be disappointed with what Pompey have to offer him when it, when it comes around to that stage. Could they let Candy, Andy go? Ben Close has come to the fore. I think Ben will be around. Geordie Awula, again, question mark, probably not massive money. So what's this space on that one? It, oh, oh, Ryan Williams, of course, they like Ryan Williams. I think that's probably the gist of the players that are, that are out of contract, but... Ronan Curtis, what happens with Ronan? Can they cash on cash in on Ronan? Is that a good time to do it now? Could that help fund the rebuild? You know, there's all this to be coming into the mix now. So many question marks about, and they want to really influence, but their standpoint players. I'm starting to hear bits and pieces of names of players that they, they could be potentially interested in. I don't think you have to look too far from uh, what's it the uh, the FBI asked. FBI say the uh, history is the uh, greatest indicator of future behaviour. So look at what they've done in the past and the players they've gone for. You might not be too far away from looking for finding one or two potential targets there. So yeah, in waffling on a bit, but I think that you know there's a lot of turnover taking place. Obviously, there's players under contract that you might want to move on, or you know, and you know, Michael Jacobs is you know injuries and he'll be on good money. Could you free that up? He's had a lot of problems. Who's going to want to take Michael Jacobs? John Marcus, Tom, top earner, got time on his deal. So, yeah, there's all that to roll into the mix as well. But I think it's going to be, I think we'll be okay for transfer talk in the summer, put it that way. Well, does that surprise you then that we're just, we're not just going to be talking about the ones that are out of contract, that potentially, as Jordy said, sacrifices have made and some players who might have a bit of value in their contracts um, could maybe make way? Yeah, I mean, Kiss is the, the prize asset now, isn't he? And um, if you need to, to get funds, he's the he's the one who you think you'd you'd sell first and get certainly a million north of a million. You'd, you'd think um, it double figures three times now in League One. Um, but then you're looking at lads like say Paul Daniels, uh, Paul Paul Downing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's magic. He's magic that player. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Downing. Beg your pardon. Look, we know that Carly like him, but Paul Downing, I think. I want to move on here. I want a new start somewhere, and he won't be on bad money whatsoever. I, I suspect um, when he arrived, he signed a three-year deal. Yeah. Um, 
James Bolton might be in the same category. Um, he might want to go and start regularly somewhere else. Even Ellis, look, Ellis Harrison hasn't played under the Carlies, but didn't um, didn't really go for Ellis this season. He might see himself having a, a fresh start elsewhere. So there are some players as well under contract. And let's not forget about the loanees who are going back as well. Yeah, Nicholas and um, White Byers. Yeah, I'm bored. Um, that's another four players you've got to replace. Um, on about, you know, you can see, you can certainly see double figure, double figures leaving Pompey this summer, can you? Including the loanees, and as you say, the contract ones. Um, you can, you, you can see Pompey just taking that option up on Cannon because they can. And look, he, he might not be happy. He might, he might not, he might moan about it. But there's nothing, unfortunately, he could, he could do about that. Same with Ben Close. Um, Minoga, you'd think they're going to take that option up regardless, oh, yeah. no pain, wouldn't they? Um, but yeah, the ones you are looking at is, is definitely what more, as you say, Jordy. Championship football, a lot of people think he's a championship player, he's proven he's back from his, his injuries. And Tom Naylor, you, you're right, he's probably looking at the last big deal of his career now, perhaps even the biggest deal of his career at 30. Um, Williams. He wouldn't be short of interest, was he, Ryan Williams? Certainly at League right. One level, he wouldn't be short of interest. Then McGilvery as well, I've got to make a decision on. Do you think, right, we could we could shift Craig out here to have got Alex Bass, who, who's a very, very good goalkeeper, um, proves himself one of the best in League One when he has a run in the team last season. and He's made mistakes, but he's still a young keeper and could come back for them. So big decisions to be made from, from the Carlies um, and how they're going to work it budget-wise as well. I think there's going to be... Um, I hope they've, I'm sure they have because they're both PE teachers. I'm sure they've both got GCSEs and maths because they're going to have to uh, get the sums absolutely spot on, aren't they, this summer? I'm not sure what you yeah, guys think, but if um, if, if Portsmouth miss out on promotion and championship clubs come in for Pompey's highly regarded players, I don't think they're in a, in a position to say no to the money considering the amount they've lost due to COVID. No, 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 it's, it's fine. I, I just, I, Freddie, I think they're just really trying to work around how. Well, I know for a fact that they're trying to work around how to get the best competitive budget at the moment. And yeah, I don't think cashing in, um, say, Ronan Curtis, who's the obvious one to go to. But Hadji Minogue, asset, they, they said as you were on the call yesterday, forget like, Hadji Minogue's going nowhere. He, he, he's wanted um, at Pompey moving forward. But but yeah, I think the cashing in would not be to offset the, the money that Pompey had been hemorrhaging, the 700 grand a month. I just think it would be to move money around and get Pompey as competitive as possible in terms of, of the playing budget for next season. And there's going to be all kinds of ways. As, we, as we've just said, get Craig off. Does Bass come in now? Do you put a younger keeper, a, a cheap keeper under Bassey? Does that free up some money? Or do they look at things and think, oh, Bassey, no, not quite ready. I know they do like him. Do they then think, well, okay, we do need to spend a bit more on another senior keeper. These are all things that will be going into the mix. And they're not defined yet, not by any stretch, but they're, they're, they're starting to crystallise, I think these ideas in, 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 um, in Danny Cowley's mind. Freddie, I'll leave last word to you. What's what's your thoughts? If Pompey were to, not to say Jordy doesn't like you word cashing in, but use some money by selling somebody to, to, to redistribute elsewhere, how would you feel as a fan? Is that a, is that a way of moving forward? Or do you see that as a, as a completely backward step? I, I think that would entirely depend on where that money goes. I mean... If you think about the money that could come in for Ronan, obviously Ronan would want championship football if Portsmouth miss. Uh, it's not not only for not only for his own ambition to play there, but 
he's got his international future to think about. And then a Republic of Ireland manager might go, he's still playing at League One level, he might not be ready. But again, it would entirely depend on where that money goes. And if fans can see that tangible thing of, okay, even though he lost, even if we lose a highly talented player, that money's gone elsewhere, similar to when Matt Clark and Jamal Lowe left. Obviously, they were they, they were they were exceptional players, but you could see where that you could see where that money went with Marcus Harness coming in and John Mar- John Marquis coming in as well, and other players elsewhere. So yeah, it would entirely depend on <laughs> fans like me can be fickle sometimes. It, it, it would depend on results on the pitch afterwards, and then we'd decide what we think from there. Okay, good stuff. Well, Freddie, thank you for your guest appearance. We've enjoyed the company this past two weeks. Um, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Did you see, by the way, I just noticed you got the the Pompey uh, roll on your border on your on your wall. <laughs> yeah, that was a that that's a very old thing. No, I had to, <laughs> I had to move back into a parents' house with due to COVID and stuff. But yeah, that that hasn't changed, obviously. Good for you. Yeah, at least you got your parents. I wish I could move back to my parents now. What a time to be alive! That is. <laughs> <laughs> is that not not the most ideal thing in the world? But there we are. Very good, Daddy. Well, we have an inside in the Freddy's bedroom there. <laughs> uh, we'll not go there with you, mate. We don't want to see empty beer bottles lying around the place. So, uh, George, well, he'll have kids' food stains all over the place. So, anyway, I, I, I was going to say all the stains, but. <laughs> yeah. Time to wrap up. Let's wrap up exactly. Thank you, lads, for your time. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you all for watching and listening. You've been listening and watching the Poppy Talk. I'm rambling and I'm going to go. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>